I was ready for the lament series to be done. I thoroughly enjoyed it, but was ready uh, to uh, go to Acts. And in fact, just to add a little bit, what David was mentioning is we're hoping that as a community of faith, we'd read one chapter of Acts a day, uh, Monday through Friday. And so uh, tomorrow, Monday, we'll start with Acts chapter 1 uh, together. And if you doubt, you can download that and we can interact questions or comments or anything. Uh, staff will try and contribute here and there. So it'd be very fun to make this summer a summer of the book of Acts. I'm excited to preach this book because it's so unique. It's unlike any other book in all of Scripture. In fact, it's this transition from Jesus walking on this earth in the Gospels of all the authority and power and truth of the living God. He's, he's walking and with the apostles. And in this transition, we go to Jesus ascending to heaven and giving that authority, giving that power, giving that revelation to his church and allowing them to live the life that he lived, that he modeled for us. It's this tremendous book. I was thinking about a story that's related to my calling as a pastor. Um, I don't think I've shared this before, but it was um, where I was maybe 24 or 25 years old, and I had served, graduated from college, served with InterVarsity as a campus staff worker, and I was really praying about it. I was serving in social work, and I was praying, Lord, what do you have for me long-term? Do you want me to continue in social work? Do you want me to uh, teach uh, uh, high school or college? Do you want me to uh, go to full-time ministry as a pastor? I'm praying about this. And my father and I went to a ministry called Promise Keepers. Many of you remember Promise Keepers? I think it was in Chicago, and we were listening to a pastor, Tony Evans, and uh, he was talking about, uh, some of you I know that you like Tony Evans and perhaps have heard the story. He, he had cracks in the basement of it, in his paint. And so he called a painter and he said, hey, would you paint over the cracks? Painter painted over the cracks and left all good. A couple weeks later, crack, cracks are back. He calls that same painter. He's like, I've got more cracks. Would you come? Painter comes back and he says, listen, I'd love to keep uh, taking your money. However, your issue is not the paint. It's the foundation of the house. Your foundation is shifting. It's not settled. Until the foundation shifts or you address it and settles, you're going to keep having cracks, and you're going to keep painting over these cracks, and they're going to keep returning. And Tony Evans says to us, a whole stadium full of men, he says, some of you have been painting over the cracks, and you're not dealing with the foundational issues of your life. Right now, here's the moment that you can deal with the foundational issues of your life. And he gave an invitation to make Christ our foundation. Now, Christ was my foundation at that moment, but I heard his words in a different way as we were driving home from Promise Keepers. I looked to my dad and I said, Dad, I think the Lord just told me he wants me to be a pastor. And the rest, as they say, is history, right? So, but where I was convicted is I felt that I was painting 
over cracks in people's lives. And at least my particular calling was to deal with foundational issues of life. That was the call. And so I entered into ministry in that way. And I think the, this morning's message has to do with foundations. That if you think about the life and ministry of Jesus, he wasn't one for small talk, was he? He wasn't one for small changes. He talked in grand narratives and grand changes, and he was always addressing the foundational issues of our lives. In fact, in his most famous teaching at the uh, Sermon on the Mount, at the very end of the Sermon on the Mount is a little parable. Anyone remember what that parable is? I, I always think of it as the precursor to the three little pigs because it's related to the three little pigs. So he says, at the end of his teaching, he says, if you take my words and you live my words, it's like building a house on the rock. And, and the wind is going to come, the rain is going to fall, uh, the wolf is going to blow. Okay, he doesn't actually say wolf, but he says the, the reality of life you're going to face and it's going to rock your world if you build your life on my word. I am the rock, the sure foundation, you're, you will be okay. But then he says, if you don't build your life, on my word. In fact, we have it in Matthew, just the, the passage there. He says, But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. That's the foundation. The rain will come and the streams will rise just like whatever foundation you have. The winds blow and beat against the house and it will fall with a great crash. We're going to be looking at what I would call building blocks of the faith. That Jesus is going to, he's establishing his church. He's establishing this global movement. And he wants us to think about not, not just peripheral things, small things, but he wants to think of us, us to think about building blocks of the church and our lives. That we would be set. And when we face the challenges of the world, and are we not facing many challenges, right? Pandemic and, um, and, and racial strife and all those things. Economically, some of us are, are struggling. We're facing the winds. He says, I want you to build these foundational building blocks in your life and in the church. And when you do, you'll be okay. So as we read, we're going to read the first 11 verses of Acts chapter 1. And I want you to think in terms of foundations, in terms of building blocks, because we are going to talk about, from these verses, three foundational building blocks for our lives and for the church. Acts 1, verse 1, reads, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up in heaven after giving instruction through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he has chosen. The author of the book of Acts is Dr. Luke. He 
wrote both the Gospel of Luke and Acts. In fact, he references Theophilus in the, the beginning of Acts, so, uh, beginning of Luke. So Luke and Acts are two parts. He gave the story to most excellent Theophilus of the life of Jesus. And now he's sharing that story. He's continuing on the message of the early church. The, the transfer of authority and power to the early church. Verse 3, after his suffering, Jesus, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He's referencing resurrection appearances. Jesus died on the cross. He rises from the dead before he ascends to heaven. He's about to ascend, but there's many resurrection appearances of Christ Jesus. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, the gift of the father, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? A very interesting question. We'll talk about this question in just a moment. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father is set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said. Why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, whom he ha who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Forty days. That was all Jesus. What I, I like to think about the uniqueness of those forty days. Days. In fact, maybe I'll preach a series on just all that Jesus said and did on 40 days. It was these 40 days. You only had 40 days. We rose from the dead prior to ascension. And I wonder how Jesus thought about, okay, I've got 40 days. I'm going to appear to the apostles. What are the key subjects that I need to address to prepare the apostles, for the launch of this kingdom movement. What were those? I would think it wouldn't be light subjects. He wouldn't talk about peripheral things. He would say, here's the building blocks. Here's the foundation. Here's the principles I want my church to start and be laid upon. I was thinking about this over the, the weekend in our founding fathers of the United States of America. Right? We have these founding documents, the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, and the Bill of Rights. Those foundational documents establish the, the building blocks of our nation, right? The, that we're meant 
to see those and read those and understand this dream that our founding fathers had and return to them again and again to be mindful. I would say in a similar way, Jesus takes these 40 days and says, here is three things I want my church to never forget. I want my disciples and followers to return again and again. What are those three things? One is this. Here's the first building block. Any guesses to what it is? If you know me at all, (laughs) yes, right? The kingdom of God. You might think me a Johnny One Note. When Jesus changes his main central idea, I'll change mine, okay? But it's right there in scripture, right? He appears to them for 40 days and what did he teach them about? The kingdom of God. Over a hundred times in the gospels, he's talking about the kingdom of God. Now the resurrection appearances, apparently the disciples still had more to learn about the kingdom Jesus says, even though I taught all about it when I was with them physically, a little bit more. And here's what I think Jesus was saying. He was wanting them in the opening moments of the church to live a life with a grand vision of the kingdom of God. That he was wanting them to live their lives in full view of God's story, which the kingdom, which was lost through our sin and rebellion, came to earth through Jesus Christ, and now he will come back. And this kingdom is on the move. He wants us to find our individual lives, our stories rooted in his story, which is the kingdom of God. Whatever profession we live, whether we're, whether we're uh, teachers or police officers, whether we're butchers or bakers or candlestick makers. I, I have fairy tales on my mind, right? Are, do we have many candlestick makers anymore in this? So whatever profession you are called to, a lawyer, a social worker, a teacher, whatever that is, that you would find your purpose and meaning in God's overarching purpose and meaning. That that you would root your story in his. Now the question in verse 6, look at that question with me that the disciples ask. That's a revealing question. Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? You know what that story reveals? That the apostles still had a very limited view of the kingdom of God. They were still focused on the nationhood of Israel. They were missing this global work, the movement of the kingdom of God. I wonder if Jesus was a little bit disappointed, but he, we don't see it in the text, but I wonder if he almost said, really still? We'll get there. The book of Acts is about the expanding vision of, of the kingdom of God, right? Allowing this story to impact our story. I think it's humorous at the end of the verses we read where they're looking in the sky and the 
angels show up. Did you, did you catch the humor in that? I, I wonder if the angels like played it out a little bit, like the disciples are looking up and they, you know, what you looking at? It's just clouds, it's empty sky, right? Wait, don't you remember that, that Jesus said that, that he would go? But here's the main deal. He's coming back. Here's a kingdom principle that we have a job to do between his ascension and his return. Stop looking in the sky or looking at your navel, but get to work because he has expectations of your life for his kingdom. You have a role to play and you're going to have to give an account of your life. That's one way that I allow the vision of the kingdom to address and touch my life every day is the principle right here is this idea that Jesus is returning and I have a job to do today and there's a day that I will give an account of my life. The decisions I made, the ways I treated my wife and my children, the ways I treated strangers, the ways I treated people who disagreed with me profoundly. In fact, Jesus talks about this all the time. He references it again and again. He says, be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. What he's saying is be careful that you don't live your life just in your small little bubble, mindless of the overarching story and vision of the kingdom of God, mindless of what God is doing in your life and the world around you. No, he says, that day will close on you unexpectedly like a trap. Did you know Jesus said that? For it will come upon all those who live on the face of the whole earth. He's talking about his second coming. Be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. Am I going to be able to stand when I'm asked to give an account of my life? I uh, received an email it was from, said it was my email of a friend named Mark who is out of state. And uh, I haven't talked to Mark. He's one of my really good friends. I haven't talked to him for a while. He said, Eric, how you doing? And I have a favor to ask. I was a little suspicious because I don't think Mark has like asked me a lot of favors, right? And that was unlike him. And I know some of you have received anonymous emails from me asking me for a favor, yes? So I was like, hmm, what's going on? Well, I'll play along. So I, I emailed back, doing good, Mark. Uh, what's up? And he said, hey, I'm traveling, but I need someone to buy me an iTunes gift card, and I'll pay it back. Now, my friend Mark is so old school, I don't think he even knows what iTunes is, right? So I certainly, for sure, it was not Mark. So I sat back in the computer and I said, listen, whoever you are, I want you to know that there's a day that you'll stand before God and give an account of every time that you lied, manipulated, or stole from 
people. The only way out is to give your life to Jesus Christ, receive his forgiveness, and live a life in accordance with that faith. I was so excited, I showed my son Luke, and he rolled his eyes and said, Dad, come on. I was like, come on, I'm doing an act of kindness. This is, I'm counting it as my act of kindness today. All right, I'm speaking the truth in love. I was really hoping that they returned the email back. Repentance, of course, I didn't hear from them, right? But it stopped them from emailing me, right? So this idea, but I wanted to communicate this kingdom principle because it's affecting how I live my life on a daily basis. It is affecting my relationships, the words I use. Remember, Jesus said, you will give an account of every careless word, right? It affects the way I speak, the way I write, what I put on social media, all those things. It's this vision of the kingdom. I'm finding my story, my life in God's story and the kingdom. So I have a couple of questions for you related to the building blocks. And here's the first one. Is your vision of the kingdom too limited? I've noticed one of the principles of leadership is vision is so important and vision leaks. Vision leaks. And so sometimes we can be living life on a vision, on meaning and purpose, and yet as we do the daily grind, it can leak out and we can forget it. And, and I'm asking you, are you finding that meaning and purpose of your story, whatever your profession is, whatever your calling is, are you finding that in the overarching vision of God? In Acts, it's going to return again and again with the story of the kingdom. Okay, that's the first building block. Second building block is this. Live life in the power of the Spirit. That, that Christ, the, these 40 days, it's so crucial, not only that we have a vision, we live life in the vision of the kingdom of God, but we live the life in the power of the Spirit. Now, this is going to be a recurring theme it's going to be a personal Pentecost that he's inviting us to experience. We're not there yet. Now I have a question. In this moment, in the history of the church, the 40 days of these resurrection appearances, were the apostles Christians in this moment of 40 days? Yep, I heard yes, yes. I'm going to agree, no cup of coffee. Yeah, they, they were Christians. They were followers of Christ, right? So if they were Christians, did they have the Spirit of God? Yeah, you can't be a Christian without the Spirit of God. Okay, if the apostles were Christians and they've got the Spirit of God, then why do they need Pentecost? Sent, good, good word. In fact, let's let Jesus answer that question. That's usually the best answer that we've got, right? In fact, he says it twice. The end of Luke and the beginning of Acts, he talks about Pentecost. He says, I'm going to send what my father promised. Remember we read that in Acts? 
but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. He's saying, listen, guys, I, I am launching you into this global kingdom movement and you can't do it without myself, without my power. You just can't. You, you've got to wait. This Pentecost is not about salvation. It's not even about the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. The apostles have this. What Pentecost was about what the, the book of Acts is going to unfold is this is about power. It's a building block that you need to walk in the presence and the power of the Spirit. I want to tell you that I have lived the Christian life in the presence of the Spirit and in my own power. And I've also lived the Christian life in the presence of the Spirit and in the power of the Spirit. And let me tell you, this way is so much better. This way is frustrating and exhausting and I grow weary really fast. This way is filled with passion and desire and longing for more. The interesting thing that I've discovered is just like vision, the power of the Spirit leaks, as my friend used to say. And so he wants us not just to have our own personal Pentecost, but experience again and again the fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. He wants us to live our lives daily in his presence and his power. It doesn't matter what we're doing. If it's, if it's talking with a friend, if it's ministering, preaching, teaching. I, I saw a couple folks, um, our congregational members, in between services, praying for one another. It was awesome. And I could tell this one leader was praying in the power of the Spirit for another leader. It was a beautiful thing. Do you know that I have preached in my own power in the past? And I've also preached by the grace of God in his power. And which one do you think went better? <laughs> Just another story. We're, David was talking about lament. Last Sunday, some of you remember, at the communion table, I invited you to bring your laments to Christ by way of preparation for lament or for communion. And I always try and do that when I invite you to do something, I try and do it in the moment. So I had a, a number of laments that I had written out from uh, Pastor Jedediah's sermon. I'd written out those and I just said, Lord, what is the lament that you want me to bring today? And he brought me to a, a hard lament. It, it, it's taxing. It's difficult. And in both services, he brought me to the same lament and in both services, he had me to start praying in tongues in my prayer language. Now, I don't want to equate the baptism of the Spirit with speaking in tongues. Some do. I don't think that's biblical. We'll see it's not biblical over the course of, uh, of the book of Acts. But it is a sign of the power of God, Right? I was baptized in the Spirit years and years prior to being given the gift of tongues. 
But in that moment, I'm sharing the lament and I'm feeling some of the pain. And he allowed me to start praying in tongues in that moment to bring hope and strength that God has got this. I'm lamenting, I'm struggling, and yet he edified me through that gift. That was me lamenting in the power of the Spirit, not my own power. Does that make sense? In just about every area of life, we can do it in our own power or in the power of the Spirit. Just about every day when I pray part of my prayer When I pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, I'm praying that I would be filled with the presence and the power of the Spirit today to live the life, whether it's connecting with a friend or a family member, whatever that is, that I'd be walking in his presence and power. So here's my second question on the second building block. Are you living your life in the presence and the power of of the Spirit. The book of Acts is going to return again and again to that building block. Okay, final building block is this. And it is this idea of living life on mission. On the mission of Christ. Each gospel, including the book of Acts, has this little mission statement. Most of us know the end of Matthew, the Great Commission, right? All authority has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. But every gospel in their own way, Luke has, I would call it this mini mission. It's really neat. It's just before, it's during the resurrection appearances, right? So he does it in in Acts as well as Luke. It says this, The two disciples are walking to the road to Emmaus and they're unsure if Jesus has been resurrected or not and he's walking with them and it says, then he, Jesus, opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. He told them, now listen, he he gives them this mini gospel message. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance will for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And then listen, he says, you are witnesses of these things. Regardless of uh, of whether those two disciples on the road to Emmaus, regardless of whether they were receiving the great co-mission of God, if they, they heard him, he gives it to them. Regardless of whether you've been living your life in the mission, if you are a Christian, you have been commissioned to live this grand mission of God in the world. And what I have realized is as a Christian, I can live on mission or off mission. I've realized that just like the kingdom vision, just like the power of the Spirit, that mission leaks, right? That I can be, there can be moments and settings and contexts that I'm seeing the mission of God and I'm seeking to join him in what he's doing and then it can be all about me. 
and I take my mind off of the mission of Christ Jesus. Let me give you an example. The first two years in college, I was growing in my faith tremendously, so God had a timing and a purpose, but I was not living on mission. I was just trying to figure things out. I was living, I was you know, trying to do good in school and all those kind of things. It was a transition time when I heard a Christian leader challenge me and he asked this question. Do you know what God is doing? The ways in which he's at work on your college campus. I was like, I never even thought of that. That, that. that never even dawned on me to ask the question, what, what God has an agenda and a purpose and a mission for my college campus? I thought I was just there to get an education. And so my last two years of college, I began to learn how to live on mission. And that, that principle I brought wherever I went, when I transitioned to social services, I wanted to join and start working at that job, not off mission, but on mission. I was there to do a job, of course, and yet to join the Father. How was he working in the lives of the people that worked in the, in the social service agency? How was he working in the people that he was using me to deliver services to I used that principle when I moved every new neighborhood, whether it was an apartment or a house. When I moved into that new neighborhood, I wanted to move into that neighborhood on mission. My family, I wanted to raise my family on mission. When I interact with extended family, I wanted to interact with them on mission. You're getting the idea. That if there's no such thing, listen here, if you are a Christian, you are called to mission. You're called to join the work of the Father in whatever sphere of influence he's placed in your life. He's calling you to be on mission. And so the final question is this. Are you presently living off mission or on mission? What area do you need to get on mission? Verse 8, I'll leave you with this. This is the thesis of the whole book, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses to the kingdom of God, to Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. Now friends, I want to ask you this question. I want you to pay attention to the Holy Spirit. If you would just close your eyes for just a moment, if you think about these three, and at home, if you, if you can, close your eyes. If you think about these three building blocks of the church and of your life, living in the kingdom of vision, living in the power of the Spirit, and living on mission. What's the one that the Spirit just kind of pricked your mind, pricked your soul, and said, 
this is what I want to start doing in you and growing in you over the summer. And just give you a little bit of time to listen. What's the Spirit saying? Can we stand together? You can stand at home too if you want. Would you open up your hands and receive the benediction? Would you go looking for the sure foundation? We have one rock in this life that is sure. No, everything else, no matter the sweetest frame, is shifting sand. Jesus Christ is the rock to build your life upon. Would you build on that sure foundation? The, the winds will come. The waters will flood. We will face many troubles in this life. He told us so. But we get to live in such a way that we have faith. For he has overcome the world. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, God bless you. We'll see you next week.